From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And good day. I couldn't help but laugh that the ad preceding me coming on was for the TNT shop. You can look as magnificent as I do in this wonderful TNT shirt. I'm wearing the socks, and I've even got the dog bowl out there for the pugs. So I might have a couple of pug hairs on me, but they they wash off easy because these TNT shirts are wonderful. Get one. Um, g'day. Thank you to Chris Smith. And we got a terrific show for you today. In fact, it's double trouble. I'm going to be back here for the... I won't say the foreseeable future, but for at least a few weeks uh, for two hours. So there you go. I'm going to be here this hour and next hour. So we'll touch on a little bit of UK content next hour as well. But of course, you in the UK face exactly the same problems as we here in Australia. So it really doesn't matter if we focus on local or international uh, topics. From my perspective, we're pretty much dealing with the same global you know, shite show, if you will, and uh, we've got to combat it the same way. Uh, guests this afternoon or this morning, wherever you happen to be, Simeon Boykov, the Aussie Cossack. I'm going to be talking to a bunch of others, and it would be helpful if I had the right run sheet in front of me, so I'll get back to that a little bit later. Um, something that I'm immensely concerned about, and I think Ireland is going to be the test case for it. If you think the the Orwellian you know, Ministry of Truth bills that we have here over in the UK and everywhere else at the moment that are popping up. The one in Ireland that they want to launch before Christmas is absolutely horrific. But I'll tell you what, they have absolutely picked a fight with the wrong bunch of characters. If they're going to pick on the Irish, I think they've taken on far more than they could ever have uh, have uh, perceived, and I think it's going to backfire on them. At the moment, what they're pushing for, if you are in Ireland, and forget the fact that you could be such as myself or the lovely Gemma Cooper, who provide content, who create content, who write things, and who put our opinions out there. That's that's not enough for them in Ireland. What they want to do, they want to come into your house and just confiscate your laptop, your tablet, your phone, based on not necessarily what you're saying, but what you're looking at, what you're reading, what you're listening to, or what you're watching. That's what they want to do. I cannot believe this, but I'll tell you what, if they wanted to pick a test case to see if they could get it through because it's got a small population in Ireland, yeah, they may be a small population, but wow, they are intense. They are highly intuitive, highly intelligent. And I'll tell you what, um, the two scariest individuals that I've ever met, one of them, for those of you in Australia, you would know their name. I won't mention their name. Uh, very high profile, front page of the papers, you know, in the crime scene, whatever. I did this guy's website for him. Uh, let's just say he was associated with the building industry at the time and um, did his webpage. It would have been a four, five, six thousand dollar job. And at the end of it, mate, what do I owe you? He asked. And I just looked him in the eye and said, uh, nothing. It's free. It's free. A, a top bloke. If you know him, if you're a friend of his, um, somebody you could rely on and absolutely trust. But of course, the stories that we have in the paper, those that have been redacted from Australian films and movies involving this particular character, who again, I won't name, um, but he's Irish. He's Irish. He's an Australian Irishman. And it's just the look in the eyes. And I've seen it twice in my life. Just people where you know there's a lot going on behind there. And without saying a word, and certainly not threatening towards me, both of these characters were people that I would consider to be friends, but who are in other ways notorious. And the Irish 
if they are pushed too far, uh, some of the most frightening people in the world, they will not take any rubbish and they will respond in kind. Conor McGregor, one of those people too, who is becoming increasingly outspoken, who is uh, very, uh, very much for the Irish people. And uh, again, somebody who is compelled to say things that may not be overly popular. But of course, if he says something that the government doesn't consider to be popular, something that they don't want you to hear, something that they feel may inspire you to action, possibly, then not only will they come after people like Conor McGregor, they'll come after you just because you're reading it, just because you're sharing it, and they'll be able to knock on your door or probably just kick it down if you don't answer. And if you don't share your password with them, and before you even I go on with that, I'll just share something with you as an IT guy. If you don't want to share your password, I can get into any Macintosh or any PC within a minute. I've got a USB stick. I put it in, I boot off it, it'll either tell me your password, or if it's too complicated, it'll reset it back to nothing, log in. So here they are now saying that if you don't give us your password, despite the fact that our IT people can get into your laptop or your device within one minute, we'll lock you away for a year just because you chose to not comply, even though we can get into it within a minute. So that in itself, I think, is beyond frightening. But um, here's a, a quote that I want to read you. Take action now or your children and grandchildren will pay bitterly for your inaction and your, and this is the part I like best, your rank cowardice. And I think there's too much of that going on. And why have we been so quiet for so long? For fear of what? Being called a name? Please. I think we're better than that. And I think we know, I think our intuition tells us what our kids and our grandkids will have to face moving forward if we don't combat things like this right now. And we have to at all costs. I really don't think there's um, there's any other way around it. But I'll tell you what, if you're going to pick on the Irish, if you're going to take it too far with the Irish, wow, that is going to sting. That is going to leave a mark. And the Irish government, you don't know what you've done. It's going to really backfire in your face. Now, don't miss out on a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or, of course, you can get it on Google Play. You can easily listen to us live from anywhere at any time, and it's available right now to download. And uh, we're keeping you up to speed here at TNT Radio. Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, half for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And my next guest is the wonderful Gemma Cooper, who, of course, over there in the UK would know many Irish people, uh, some of the nicest people you could ever meet, the best people ever in the world to go out to and have a drink with at the pub. Best mates ever you could possibly have. that. Them and Maoris. Maoris are terrific mates as well. But I'll tell you what, uh, Gemma, and I, I think you might agree, if you um, if you cross the wrong one, wow, you'd want to run a mile, wouldn't you? Uh, I mean, I know plenty of Irish people because a lot of Irish people came over to the, the west coast of England uh, looking for work back in the 1960s and 70s, and quite a few Irish people live in Portishead, and that's a, a town where near where I live. And um, there, there's quite a few bars where, yeah, you can have a drink and have the crack. Um, I've never crossed any Irish people, so I wouldn't know. And actually, my um, my dad was half Irish, which makes me a quarter Irish, um, and I, it's still a country I've not visited to my wow. shame you know i've been to scotland which is my favorite country in the world and wales many times wales is just over the water from me but um ireland i've never made that leap you know and it's just a short plane journey away so i should it's in my blood it's in my heritage maybe you shouldn't cross me dean maybe that's I, what well, this means 
Gemma, there's no way I'm letting that go because, I mean, I've kind of got an excuse. I mean, here I was with a, a Scottish dad from Paisley. He's got the, to this day, he's been here for over 60 years. He's still got the accent. And um, I've never visited Scotland, but here I am in the other half of the hemisphere, you know, the other, the southern hemisphere, and I've never had time. I'm self-employed. But how how can you be over there in England and never have been to Ireland? I don't get it. You've got to go. Uh, you and I should make a pact that at some point in our life, we will go and visit Ireland because as much as I used to think of myself as Scottish, it wasn't until not long before my granddad passed away that I learned because my grandmother was um, was uh, was Protestant. He was Catholic. He was actually born in Ireland. And my surname Macken is an Irish name. So I am probably one quarter as you are Irish and I've never been there. And it, I'll never forgive myself if at some point I don't go. Well, we should make a pact. I mean, for me, I find it um, slightly embarrassing, actually, just talking about it out loud because it's just, what, three quarters of an hour to an hour away from me, a short plane ride away. And we should explore our Celtic roots because, you know, it's a mythical culture. Um, there's a lot of amazing sacred sites in Ireland. So, yes, I put that on my on my list for my bucket list, actually. I'll add it to the many things that I said I'm going to do with my life and I still haven't done. But that's that's everyone, isn't it? It applies to everybody. But just before I go to the, the story for the day, it's interesting what you were talking talking about at the top of the hour there, editorial, um, about, you know, the thought police and their coming. Because if you'd even discussed these kind of things five, ten years ago, or even four years ago, even three and a half years ago, right at the beginning of 2020, you would have thought that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's the most dystopian, weird, uh, sci-fi horror movie that I've ever heard. That's like Minority Report, you know, that they can get you for a crime <laughs> yes. just for thinking about doing yeah. it. You'd be like, that's Hollywood. That's ridiculous. And look at us now. It's becoming a thing. Online hate bills here in the UK, it's becoming a thing. You know, it, it's Minority Report. I look back at that like I do like The Matrix, that movie. It was a predictive programming. It was it was priming us for that very thing. We can come and get you just for thinking something wrong. And, Gemma, I think hate bills are a terrific word for them because it, from their perspective, and they're the ones naming them, it is hate. They hate the truth. They hate anyone that can think for themselves, anybody who's likely to act against them and, uh, and stop them from accomplishing whatever their agenda happens to be it's become quite obvious and we've had commentators and i'm sure you've had them over in the uk too one that comes to mind here in australia was uh, a terrific guy who used to be on 2gb brian wiltshire back in the day he was telling us about this in the 80s and they literally thought he was mad they'd call him every name under the sun tinfoil hat wearing etc etc the guy today seems like a prophet like a a soothsayer if you will and uh, he's got it right on every level and in fact if anything i think it may be slightly worse than he had anticipated certainly by 2023 Absolutely. And of course, here in the UK, you've got David Icke, who is exactly the same when he first, you know, quit his role as a BBC sports presenter, your very normal life and started talking about all this stuff back in the 1980s. Everybody thought he was insane. Literally, they thought he was insane. Now, of course, he's lauded wherever he goes, but that's people who speak out the truth, much like we're doing now here on TNT Radio. First, they laugh at you and then they argue with you. Then eventually they agree with you. It's just the time scale, isn't it? But I just I just listening to you, just the, the very kind of thought that we would be discussing this, you know, three and a half years ago, you would have thought you would have thought the world was mad. And yeah. yet here we are. It's just yeah, dystopian future is upon us. The only thing I think is before I go to the story is that they must be desperate. If they're that desperate yeah. that they have to literally come into your house and say, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? If that's if the power of thought is that 
powerful. You know, if having a thought, which it is actually, because your thoughts create your reality if you go down a met- metaphysical route. So if we're all thinking about standing up to the system, the system ain't going to like it. So they have to monitor literally anything you're thinking. It, but it is scary. It is scary. But it's down to us and all the TNT army that we've got building every day to fight fight it. We must fight the power. We must. It's, we must. Anyway. And, and Gemma, just, just really, really quickly, they've had to improvise because they've had this plan in the works for decades and possibly a century or more. And they didn't account because you can't predict technology and the internet and the fact that we can mass communicate with something that they never anticipated. And it's really made them scramble, regroup and have a bit of a think. So now they've had to come out from behind the, you know, within the woodwork or behind the, the green screen, the black curtain, if you will, uh, they've had to come out and make it very obvious that they're trying to stop you from communicating. But of course, despite the fact that it is, it is insanely obvious to all of us listening and watching at the moment. The simple fact is most of the public, again, still think it's, you know, conspiracy theories and whatnot, despite the fact that if they try and identify the world that they live in, compare it to something four, three, even two decades ago, it is barely recognisable. And here they are, and some of them don't even question why. I think that's very sad in itself. Well, yeah, and that's the great bifurcation. But more and more people are questioning, and that is something to be grateful for. That's why TNT exists, because there is an audience for this yeah. type of thing. Um, just on to briefly, I mean, I mentioned it yesterday when Boris Johnson you know, started giving evidence at the, the UK COVID inquiry. Um, that was kind of the middle of the day UK time. So I thought it was just worth refreshing uh, for, you know, you've got your own COVID inquiry in Australia. I'm sure it's as toothless and wishy-washy as the one in the UK. But Boris Johnson, you know, was PM at the time of the scandemic. And I thought, oh, we're bound to get some nuggets out of this. We're bound to get some kind of a, a few truth bombs. Alas, no, <laughs> it's it's a, it's a kind of, um, he says, most of it is, I can't remember and I don't know, which is kind of a bit Joe Biden-esque, isn't it? Oh, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know what happened there. Um, but interesting, one of the most interesting things actually is he, he has apologized. Now, He's apologised to families of the bereaved, and I wonder. I just wondered yesterday, hypothetically, could that apology extend to people like us, you know, whose livelihoods were ruined, whose reputation and careers were snatched away because we dared to question the narrative? People like us that lost family and friends for having half a brain cell to say, "Hang on a minute, something's not quite right here." I thought, "Are you going to apologise to us?" But no, no, he was apologising to the bereaved. Um, there was some heckling and some protesters, and I thought, oh, I hope it's one of us. I hope it's a TNT listener who's managed to sneak <laughs> in and, you know, say, oi, this was all a load of rubbish. But no, no, they were they were protesters who were, you know, ostensibly like taking the story as it was uh, at face value, and it was all true. So it was protesters for the for the bereaved, and they were removed from proceedings. Um, there's a lot of WhatsApp messages, uh, five thousand WhatsApp messages that from J- January to June 2020 that seem to have just disappeared from Boris Johnson's phone. And I wonder who they were from. Were they from Klaus Schwab? Were they from Bill Gates? Were they from some shadowy figures at the WEF and the WHO, which would have blown the whole thing apart? I, I wonder what's on those WhatsApp messages. They are gone forever. He says he's really, he really doesn't know what happened there. His phone was reset. But as you say, you're an IT guy. I'm sure if you were, looked hard enough, we could find those WhatsApp messages and everything that's on them. Um, the kind of one that is kind of worrying is because of a result of the scamdemic they are now looking at um amending the 1984 public health act 
and they're saying that's not fit for purpose and the world has moved on since then. I'm sure that will, if that does happen, that will mean more draconian uh, measures because one of the messages that's come out of everyone who's given evidence so far is we should have locked down harder, we should have locked down sooner, even though, as you've rightly pointed out, we've talked about this before, and there are so many other countries which proves that's actually the wrong thing to do. Um, So nothing much has really come out of yesterday's kind of evidence giving if you can call it that he is due to take the stand again in in a few hours time here in the uk let's see what he says today but so far the picture that's being painted is not just of a government that's not fit for purpose it's a pm that's not fit for purpose which of course leads us into the one world government scenario uh, because they're saying oh no no politicians can cope with anything leave it all to us hand over the reins of power if this happens again the who will be firmly in control yeah, well, let's hope that is not the case. And uh, again, I'd hope that uh, they've picked Ireland as a test case. And I think that's terrific in that they've picked the one group who, if I had to elect a group who were going to fight back the hardest, that's the one. And I hope there's a lesson to be learned for the globalists when you try and take our rights away, when you try and come into our homes and take away our our access to the truth. I think it's going to backfire immensely. Gemma Cooper? Um, I, I think you'll be joining me next hour as well, and I'll, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, everyone, you listen to TNT Radio, get involved in the online chat. I've got a bunch of comments I'm going to read from them. And after the break, the Aussie Cossack here at TNT Radio. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. (laughs) The world is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future, with nutritious food to eat, a chance to learn, to get an education, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams by ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Gracias. Gracias. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. And g'day and welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're going to be talking to Simeon Boykov in just a second and how quickly time goes because in just a week's time, he will have been here at TNT 
for a year. We, of course, have been on radio here for two years, so we're going super strong. Uh, just before I get to Simeon, uh, I'm going to read a couple of comments from the chat. Uh, one of them is Deborah Johnson. Great news. Loving your show. Thank you for that one. Deborah, I mentioned Brian Wilshire. A bunch of people loving Brian. Sandra Kay. Yeah, I miss Brian when he left 2GB. He was a wealth of information. And uh, I wonder what he thinks. Now, I've actually got his number. In my phone, he had lunch with a mate of mine, Carter Edwards, who I used to work with uh, on a, an, at another network. And um, I'm almost game enough to give him a call one day and ask if we can get him on the program. It would be terrific. I know he's in retirement now, but uh, I think it would be a rather big windfall if we could get him on there. Uh, and Kevin writes, Dean, I remember Brian Wilshire talking about a concrete bunker building in the main driveway area of the Royal North Shore Hospital called Echelon, where all phone calls were being recorded and filed away. This was back, if my memory is correct, uh, it was either the late 80s or the early 90s. I also remember that. In fact, I used to hang off every word that Brian Wilshire had to say, and uh, we'll read the rest of your comments out a little bit later if you'd like to get involved in the online chat. We're going to be talking to the Aussie Cossack, mate. It's almost happy birthday, one week off one year here at TNT Radio. Well, one one week uh, time, the 14th of December, will actually be the one anniversary from when I made the decision to walk through the gates of the Russian consulate and defect. And you're right. And then after that, of course, once I entered the Russian consulate, uh, very quickly I was uh, scooped up by the brilliant leadership of TNT, who saw a potential uh, uh, mouthpiece. And uh, there we are, a potential mouthpiece without a headpiece, should I say. Like one of the most effective mouthpieces out there and certainly uh, one of the most recognisable faces around Australia to a household name. Uh, we had a chat off air today and, again, I had my wife in the car. It was one of your original fans who used to watch you religiously when you're on YouTube getting pulled over by one of your customers, <laughs> as you used to love to <laughs> the call The good them. old days. <laughs> the good old days. Mate, and, and we had a conversation. We had a private conversation. There's something that I never would have asked you publicly, but you did say it was okay to ask because there you are. Um, you're in the, the Russian consulate up there in Edgecliff. And, mate, I would hate to think that I'm going to blink and it's going to be nine years later and that you're still there. I would hate for that to happen. You're a terrific bloke. I want to see you out and about. And the reason most people listening or watching know the story. And for those that don't, basically, uh, you know, Simeon did the right thing. I think he did the right thing. I think if there's a creepy pedophile out there and you want to name them, I say, go ahead and do that. And if, if most people were to do that, you get a slap on the wrist. When Simeon did it publicly, I mean, they went to town on him. I mean, they gave him basically the maximum penalty you could get. But close for, to it. for naming one, just for dropping a name. Just for naming one, just for naming one. And on top of all that, put him in maximum security, which is just ridiculous in itself. Fortunately, he's got a terrific solicitor. He was let out far earlier than he should have been. And then as a result, was on parole. He's out there doing the right thing, getting amongst it, standing up for your rights and protesting and doing all the correct things that, that strong, staunch people do. Some creep comes up to him, launches at him, angry face, right in his face, goes to grab his hand or his phone. It's on video. I've seen it many, many times. And as anyone would do, and as I was trained to do after doing kickboxing for nine years, if anything comes at me, I just immediately respond, you push it back. That's human nature. You don't need to be uh, trained in any kind of martial art to do that. It's a reflex action that I think any human or even animal would do. Uh, Simeon reacted, and that's what it is. It's a reaction. You don't have time to think when somebody comes at you. This fellow, who was stupid enough to come up a flight of stairs, uh, was 
went down a flight of stairs. And despite the fact that I think, Simeon, I think you had very good cause to uh, have him charged. Not only were no charges placed against him, um, you've had to basically go to the consulate building for fear that I'm guessing they would have pulled your parole and put you back behind bars for defending yourself, something that anybody who wants to go and check out the video, which I would imagine is readily available on social media, would, I think you'd have to have something wrong with you um, if you didn't agree that that was absolutely 1000% self-defense. Well, in a perfect world where we had a normal justice system and had a fair go and the police were fair and balanced, of course, uh, I would be not guilty. In fact, I probably shouldn't have been charged. But uh, in this current climate, with all the Russophobia and the hysteria in the media and the government and the agencies and the police, the law, uh, law enforcement agencies, uh, they definitely had uh, their sights set on me for a long time. At every thrown, every order thrown at me possible, you know, firearms prohibition orders, weapons prohibition orders, uh, sent to jail for breaching a suppression order on YouTube, naming a person who deserves to be named. And I pled guilty because I did it, but there's a reason why I did it. And that will be revealed uh, in uh, my book, which I'm writing. Eventually, uh, you'll be able to read that. And that will be a very, very uh, interesting book. A lot of people will be very nervous about its uh, publishing, which is uh, coming up. Now, we've got a name. It's called National Security Interest, the story of the Aussie Cossack. And why National Security Interest? That's the classification which I received when I entered New South Wales Correctives. When they arrested me, took me to prison, I was an NSI EHR inmate. And what's an NSI EHR? Probably sounds like a, some type of American TV show. Well, it actually stands for National Security Interest EHR Extreme High Risk Inmate. For what? Just for naming uh, someone who deserves to be named, and this country is uh, basically full of these suppression orders. You know, there was that policeman uh, last week who was, uh, it, it came to public knowledge that he was granted a suppression order for 40 years, the drink driving inspector, the chief inspector who was busted, drink driving. He was uh, 10 times over the limit, abandoned his vehicle in Sydney's northern suburbs, and when he got before the courts, he asked for a suppression order. The judge granted it to him because he's a top cop, right? These politicians, these elites, these people in power, they use these suppression orders. Now, suppression orders, of course, should be granted to protect witnesses, to protect children, to protect victims. But uh, more often than not, uh, it's the perpetrators who take advantage of these suppression orders. And that's why uh, I've been writing this book while I'm holed up in the Russian consulate for one year. In fact, when I was in prison for four months last year, in maximum security as an NSI EHR. Uh, I was in isolation. Uh, eventually, I got to the main jail, which I was very happy to be in because uh, it's fantastic. It, it reminded me of being in high school camp, you know, play footy, play basketball, go to the gym, you know, play cards, watch TV. It's, it's not too bad at all. But when I was in isolation in the beginning in maximum security, I wrote about seven pages a day. And so those diaries will be also uh, in this book, and I'm sure you'll be able to uh, – uh, check out that book on the tntradio.live website uh, in very due time. So it'll be uh, available uh, in 2023 for uh, purchase online. And uh, I'm going to name many people in that book, and I'm going to name uh, those people who deserve to be named. So there should be a lot of politicians, a lot of elites out there who should be very, very nervous about this book. And the greatest thing is, while I'm in the Russian consulate, 
I can publish this book and I'm not worried about anything because there's no one who's <laughs> going to walk through that door uh, unless they want to go to war with Russia because this area is Russian jurisdiction. The Russian government have taken me under their wing. I'm effectively a defector. Uh, who knows? Will they take away my Australian citizenship? I hope not because I still love Australia. As the song goes, I still call Australia home. I was born here, for goodness sake, grew up here. Just because I'm sympathetic to Russia, I've got Russian heritage. And of course, Vladimir Putin gave me citizenship in October of this year. Uh, doesn't mean they should take away my Australian passport. I mean, most Aussies wouldn't uh, be very pleased with that. I'm sure there'll be a few uh, woke lefty extremist types who'll be very happy to see me stripped of citizenship, Dean. Uh, but it would be a sad day for Australia uh, if that would happen. And uh, that would really dictate the future of um, you know my actions politically. Because if I did not have Australian citizenship, if I was stripped of it, uh, via these new laws, which we've been talking about over the last few days on your show, Dean, that they've passed through Parliament, these outrageous laws. Uh, well, in that case, then nothing would prevent me from running for Parliament in Russia, having only Russian citizenship. So who knows what's going to happen, but stay tuned and uh, the Aussie Cossack story continues. And Dean, you've always got first dibs on what's happening in the latest intel. Uh, whatever's going to happen next, uh, it's unpredictable. That's what's guaranteed. Well, thank you, mate. I'm a, I'm a fan of yours. I'm a big supporter. And uh, again, mate, I've got no ties with Russia and I agree with you on 99.9% on .9 of the stuff that you say. And there's a couple of things I thought you were wrong. You called it. You got it spot on. So, mate, you're, uh, you've got a good track record and uh, someone that's passionate and a fair income Aussie as well. Mate, and those uh, recent uh, changes to the legislation here in Australia, frightening that they could possibly be used, tainted, twisted to affect somebody such as yourself who was, again, born here in Australia. Let's hope that is not the case. But mate, if they ever try that, there'll be a bunch of us uh, who are very staunchly behind you and shall uh, continue to support you. The Aussie Cossack, Simeon Boykov, I thank you. And we'll be uh, chatting again tomorrow here on TNT Radio. Now, news, news, news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The UN chief has hit the panic button, invoking Article 99 of the United Nations to address the war in Gaza. Despite a catalogue of evidence proving otherwise, US President Joe Biden's once again tried denying that he had anything to do with his son's foreign business dealings. It's just a bunch of lies. You didn't interact with many of their business associates? I did not. There's well, lies. And the world's first fourth generation nuclear power plant has officially started commercial operation in China. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. I know this is radio or now TV as well. And by the way, for those of you who are listening or not watching, yes, I might have a head for radio, but I think it's interesting to watch people, to look at their eyes when you talk to them. I mean, you get a sense of who they are and if they're fair dinkum. I think it's a terrific thing to, that we now broadcast. So it will atrophy. Use it or lose it. Uh, get onto the TNT Radio live stream right now and check us out. You get to see what we all look like and our wonderful guests as well, such as Rebecca Barnett, who is an Australian journalist with a BA in communications from UWA. She's known for her independent uh, reporting and critical 
thinking and analysis of public health issues. She's extensively covered the controversial deletion of uh, Kevin McKernan's research data. And let's don't even get me started on that. But you know what? Let's get right into it. Rebecca Barnett, lots to talk about. Hi, Dean. I don't know who told you you don't have a face for radio. It's not true. <laughs> well, you do have a bit, whatever. Hang on, hang on. I'm just, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just writing a check. Just don't cash it till next Thursday. But um, fantastic to, to have, have you on here. But again, I think it's wonderful that people, you know, get to see the faces. And I, I, let's be honest, when it comes to people who are conservative, and, and I think you can read people by their eyes. I think you can pretty much get their IQ within five points just by looking at the eyes, how alert they are, how they respond to, mm. you know, certain, you know, stigma, questions, words, phrases, whatever. And the simple fact is I think it's terrific because you, you look at those of the left and they're a little bit dull, a little bit light some, but no Aww. one is home. But, but these, us conservatives, you know, you you into intuitive lot out there watching and certainly Rebecca Barnett, a wonderful journalist and somebody who is very brave as well, who comes out and tells us that which we need to know. Where do we start, Rebecca, with that which we need to know today? Well, we need to talk about the New Zealand whistleblower case, but specifically the New Zealand government's very heavy-handed response. Um, so I'm presuming you've covered some of the whistleblower case. Um, I'm not sure how much we need to get people up to speed on that, but that's the big data drop that was the mother of all revelations. Uh, there was a big long video about it that Liz Gunn put out, and then uh, she's a New Zealand journalist. It was a, a bit of a strange video. It went for a very long time and <laughs> took a while to kind of say what they were trying to say. But what they were trying to say was that, um, you know, in this data dump that a whistleblower called Barry Young, um, who was a former employee of the New Zealand Ministry of Health, um, he had extracted data from a pay-per-dose um, COVID vaccine database. And he uh, his understanding of what he's, he had extracted was that um, the data showed um, a high death rate, essentially that people who had the vaccines were more likely to die in close proximity to those jabs. Um, there is some confusion over whether that is the case, but Steve Kirsch, um, the US substacker and tech millionaire, he then uh, did a release of the data as well, did a presentation at MIT. So all of that um, happened pretty quickly and the New Zealand um, Ministry of Health uh, freaked out, it appears, and got an injunction to stop the sharing of this data set, which has been anonymised, by the way. So no one's private details are being shared in any of these data files now making their way around the world. They're all anonymous. Um, but the New Zealand government went um, pretty hard and... Um, the Ministry of Health obtained this injunction and said that they were hiring um, IT specialists to or, or cyber specialists to um, track down any copies of the data or any reporting on the data even. Um, and so subsequently, a US-based scientist called Kevin McKernan, who is the scientist who discovered the contamination in the COVID vaccines, he used to work on the Human Genome Project. He's a genomics yeah. expert. He's... Um, actually a medicinal um, cannabis genomics um, expert primarily. That's his company's more involved in that. Um, but he had done this work on the vaccine sequences that is involved in a bunch of court cases coming up. Um, and so he offered to host, uh, to mirror this New Zealand whistleblower data because, um, yeah, there were just too many people trying to download it all from the one place, Steve yeah. Kirsch's site. Um, and then overnight, his whole... Um, storage account just got nixed just he woke up and everything was gone like years of research he reckoned it was about 200 grand um american dollars worth of wow. research just disappeared overnight 
um, which he had presumed would be was because of the injunction. Um, but it turns out, actually, right before uh, I jumped on here to talk to you, we've just got confirmation that it was from the injunction. So Mega actually has responded. It took a few days because um, this happened on Monday night, Boston time. Um, but they've just responded to say that they will restore his account um, and minus the offending New Zealand data. Ah, uh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a pretty heavy, and Steve Kirsch's uh, Wasabi account also was just um, totally deleted. So these, you know, one would imagine these um, private companies got the wind put up them with this injunction and just can't, were just cancelling accounts, you know, with goodness knows what research in the accounts um, under this injunction order, which may not even be valid, and we can get into that as well. And Rebecca, let's just say this, I mean, it's amazing how much in lockstep these social media companies are with the government. And even mm -hmm. though uh, people like Mark Zuckerberg have come out and exposed uh, much of which they've had to endure, but they were more than happy to comply with over the last three years, they continue, continue to do it. But Elon Musk must be a real fly in the ointment. And um, as the world's richest man, he's got a lot of pull, but yeah. I don't even know if he knows what he's up against. I hope he wins, um, but he is resilient. He is absolutely determined to uh, provide free speech, and he's somebody that I think they're going to target in a big way. I don't know how they're going to get someone, this, you know, the likes of Elon Musk, but um, I think X is our only platform at the moment uh, besides well, the, some of yeah. the minors. I mean, he already is being targeted when you think about um, the, so the e-safety commissioner in Australia, for example, has a, totally has it in for um, X Twitter now X <laughs> um, because, because, you know, I've heard her in um, Senate uh, committee groups uh, saying how much she you know, thinks that he's let, um, oh, what did she, I think she used the word scum, actually, nice. back to the platform. And um, she, you know, under her watch, the e-safety commissioner um, as a group has really gone after um, X in terms of um, on the compliance route, essentially just saying, we'll fine you $700,000 a day if you don't provide us with this information. And we're not happy with the amount of hate. Please um, provide assurance that you're working on that and so on and so forth. And I actually suspected, I mean, this is all speculation, but I wondered if him hiring Linda Yaccarino, who's um, very much of that um censorship is the right way kind yeah. of ill. Um, I wonder if he was, if, him hiring her earlier this year, I think it was maybe May or June, I can't remember, but around about mid-year, um, I wondered if that was kind of to, you know, walk the middle line a bit there because he, to a point, um, I mean, the way that they can bring him into line is to just regulate him to infinity and beyond because if you're get, getting threatened with either getting fined $700,000 a day to operate in a country or not be able to operate there, you kind of have to do what they want you to do. And we yeah. saw him do that in, in Turkey um, around about election time where he did um, bow to the government of the day. Otherwise, he wasn't going to be able to continue um, not trading but operating there. 
Yeah, it's very interesting. He's certainly not uh, succumbing to some of the advertisers. He had a very uh, yeah. succinct <laughs> message, which I quite appreciated uh, yeah. in regards to them. Somebody else, and we're going to be hitting this particular topic very hard this hour because after I talk to you, I'm going to talk to Matt King, a former MP and Democracy NZ founder over there, and uh, oh, wow. he, he knows all these players firsthand. So mm. it'll be good to get some NZ, you know, political uh, insight into all of that's what's going on over there. But, um, again, I mean, could you imagine, you know, had I asked you, let's say, five years ago, would we be talking about, uh, you know, realistically all of the stuff that we're finding that we are these days? You would have looked at me as if I was mad. And I just he- thought this stuff happened in other countries. You know, I just thought we were different, special and different. And, you know, probably I just believed what I got sold, which was that the West is morally, we we take the high ground, we do things differently and better. And I think in um, in many ways, certainly at the state level you know I understand that it's different you know I feel very lucky at a time like this to live in a country where I don't have to worry about being shelled in my own home you know that kind of thing is different and and I am grateful um but in terms of how the state functions I don't know that we are that different to um you know we're it's like it feels like we're on the spectrum to banana republic sometimes I'm not saying we're all the way there I'm saying but we're sitting on the spectrum that's feels when you especially when you see the behavior of like the New Zealand government um rushing to cover up this data this is public data um it's not a privacy threat what's the problem you know or or you know if it is a problem and you don't want people to access the data but you want to um you know prove to the conspiracy theorists that their fears are unfounded then prove it publish data to prove that the fears are unfounded but they don't want to do that they just want to shut everyone down you can't talk about it and you're not allowed to see it and, and Re- that that's on the spectrum of yeah. you know and rebecca as you asked you know what's the problem and it's not like the current government has to take the blame for what the previous government did unless of course it is as many of us suspect a duopoly in which case they will try and cover it up because they may intend to do something similar moving forward and with all these, uh, you know, WHO pandemic treaties and whatnot that are getting around the world and so many people, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just glad to have seen the end on behalf of all of my my New Zealander friends of Jacinda Ardern. But uh, let's, hope, let's hope that Winston Peters and all the other new politicians that they've got a fair income and really do have the New Zealand public in mind. I hope that is the case, but I certainly know that Rebecca Barnett, I know that you have the public in mind. I think you're absolutely phenomenal. I thank you for coming on here and I, I hope we can do it again real soon. Thank you. And I'll just say you can find my Substack at Dystopian Down Under and my Instagram and Twitter are also Dystopian Down Under. Thanks. People get on there and do that. The wonderful Rebecca Barnett. We're going to be talking to Matt King on the other side of this break here at TNT Radio. Stick around. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. These are parlous times for liberty in the United States and for the Constitution and the rule of law. House Republicans have joined with their Democrat colleagues to oust Republican Representative George Santos, only the sixth member to ever be removed from the lower legislative chamber. Three were removed in 1861 after they joined the Confederacy, and the other two following their convictions of the crimes of which they were accused. Santos has been accused of fraud crimes but not convicted. This is a premature, preemptive strike by Republicans on one of their own, and it sets a dangerous precedent. Now, I hold no grief for 
George Santos. He seems, quite frankly, like a wingnut. But it's up to the constituents of his district to remove him from office, absent a criminal conviction. This is just one more episode in the long history of Republicans bowing to Democrat will. It seems as though when Democrats win elections, they get their own way. And when Republicans win elections, Democrats still get their own way. This is why we're so upset with the Republican Party. Grow a pair, stand up, and say no to the other side. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And welcome back to the program. Somebody I've been hanging to talk to because he doesn't get much more fanning than him. And he's a Kiwi. And as all of you know, most of my mates are from New Zealand. Uh, why wouldn't they? Top people. Top people. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Matt King, a former MP. Uh, he is the founder of Democracy New Zealand, an ex-investigator, and he advocates for the democratic freedom and rights of everyday New Zealanders, and not just them, but people around the world, very outspoken on the COVID-19 mandates. And to me, that makes him a hero. Hey, mate, how are you going, Matt? Oh, g'day, Dean. Lovely to meet you and lovely to be on your show. Hey, look, I'm, I'm far from a hero. I'm just a regular guy like yourself, just fighting the good fight. Well, mate, I, I think you are a hero. I mean, the things that you said that so many people didn't, I mean, let's face it, there were so many discrepancies, so many anomalies that have appeared and those who have either been politicians, police, investigators, people in the media are probably some of the worst. And they've noticed these things and they've ignored them. And to me, anybody that steps outside their comfort zone and says that which we are uh, expected not to say and does it for the greater good, that is, I would imagine, the very definite of a hero. <laughs> hey, look, it's very kind of you, Dean, but I, what I'd say to you is this. I think what's happened over in the world and, and, and New Zealand, Australia, the UK, you know, the US, um, over the last sort of three, four years, I would say would, would be the, the scariest, most concerning times in our lives and definitely in this generation um, with, 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 with governments and people in power that seem to be going down a path to me that's going to destroy us. And um, I always think of that saying, you know, if evil prospers if good men do nothing. And yeah. so if we all stand up, we all stand up, we all fight and we all say, no, we're not going to let you do this. Um, we've got safety in numbers, you know. It's a, it's a brilliant point you just made up. And it was a quote that I read uh, from an Irishman a little bit earlier. And he said, take action now or your children and grandchildren will pay bitterly for your inaction and rank cowardice. And I think there's been 
far too much cowardice, people failing to speak up because for fear that they'd be called a name, whether who cares what the name is. The simple fact is any of us that have children, mate, we've got skin in the game. And I think, I think, you know, life will be kind of okay, kind of bearable, far less bearable than it was, you know, 20 years ago, 30 or 40 years ago. But certainly the, the society that our children will grow up in will be unrecognisable, not just to anything that we have uh, experienced, but certainly to anything that we could have in a negative way ever imagined. And I can't let that happen. And I know you can't either. No, look, and I say, I, I've, I've seen this, I've seen this being said numerous times by, by freedom fighters and people that are awake and aware, and that is that you can't comply your way out of tyranny. And, um, and we're, we're in a situation now where like, I'm ex, I'm, I'm an establishment guy, you know, I was a policeman for 14 years and I'm, you know, straight up young guy and raised the family and stayed with the same beautiful woman for 34 years and still with her. Um, you know, I'm just a regular guy, but but I am I am of the opinion now that when it becomes a crime to report a crime, you're being governed by criminals and you need to fight back. You need to uh, not comply. You need to uh, speak up. You need to do everything in your power to resist um, the tyranny. And that's that's the stage we're in at the moment. That's what we are as a country and what you guys are facing. I mean, I saw the footage of Brisbane, Brisbane, oh no, Melbourne, Melbourne policemen um, bashing old women in the street. Uh, and I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Uh, and the same sort of thing happening here, you know, people being arrested and charged for stuff that's not even, in my view, not even a crime. Yeah, so. mate, and the worst part is that uh, all of the good cops, the ones who wouldn't have done that, many of them were the ones who were intuitive enough to uh, not take the vax. Therefore, they use that as an excuse to get people who are free thinking, who are intuitive and intelligent. You do have some good ones who are still in there, and they're the ones that said, well, hey, I don't like this stuff, and I'm going to put out my arm, I'm going to take it, I'm going to take my chances because I've got a family I've got to look after, I've got a roof that I have to keep over their head. And they, again, are, are true champions, people who knew better but had to do so anyway. But now, with what's going on uh, over with Barry Young at the moment. Of course, you would know many of the, the players who are in the current day political scene. How do you think this is going to play out? Do you think that this is going to have a, a good outcome or may, I, where, where, where do you start with this? Where, what's going to happen? Well, I think he's a very brave man and, he, and, he's, and he's the absolute pinnacle of what uh, a, a position and a, and a, a place uh, where a, a whistleblower should come from. And, you know, he, I mean, he's a, he's a database manager. He's an IT guy. Uh, he's a man with a conscience and he's uh, got a clean record and he's he's a straight up guy and um he and that that that's where that saying if you if, if it's a criminal offense to report um, criminal criminals then you're being governed by criminals and and for me yeah. he's a guy that's risking everything um you know he spent a night in jail um but I think it potentially could be a turning point because um they can only lie to us for so long before the the sheep out there the, the rest of the people that have been Believing the narrative um, will step up and say, "Hey, something's not right here." Prove that that guy is spreading misinformation, and I don't see how they can prove that. He was very clever in that he didn't let data out that identified people, personal yeah. details. So he anonymized it, or anonymized what, anonymized it or something, which was clever, which is what he should have done. Um, and I, I, I struggle to see how they could prove um, an offence here. So this could be a this could be a turning point for us. It could be.
Now, a question that many people would be asking, and uh, you are more, uh, I mean, as an ex a former MP and somebody currently still involved with the Democracy NZ party, um, you would know how this is going to play out because here you could argue we've got a new government over in New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern gone off to her new job. So, sorry, brown paper bag on, on the desk, uh, off, yeah. to, off, to, off to her new job. And so this new government has nothing to apologise for, one could argue. Um, so why would they not allow this information out there? I mean, if they are truly not a duopoly, um, why would they just not allow this information out there to the public and say, well, they did it, not us, let's learn from it and move on? Well, I mean, to be fair to them, it's early days, like they've only just been sworn in. And, and so, um, you know, they, they we've got to let them give them time to get their um, feet under the table. However, um, Winston Peters and New Zealand First were were donkey deep in this right from the start of the, the COVID legislation rolling through. So he was privy to a lot. Now, he can hide behind initially saying he didn't know. You know, I didn't know this was this bad because a lot of us didn't. Um, but now that there's evidence everywhere and, and it's being provided to him, I know directly by freedom fighters that have got lots of credibility, um, he cannot use that excuse now. And, and what concerned me the most was that he broadened the inquiry that the uh, the COVID inquiry to include it, uh, vaccine efficacy, but he didn't include injury or death. And the same uh, people uh, doing the inquiry that are from Melbourne, the Australians, um, that were donkey deep in it over there. So over where you are. So so for me, it's not an independent inquiry. It's a Clayton's inquiry. It'll be um, it'll yeah. just be ticking boxes, ticking boxes. And again, you know, New Zealanders are some of the most fair income people, you know, you could ever meet. Uh, if, if you want to, if you want to make, you know, hang around a Kiwi, I've said that for a, a long, long time. And that's why I'm really hopeful that, you know, countries, and I could say that of Ireland as well. Um, yeah. that's why I'm really hopeful with what's happening in Ireland at the moment, uh, with this new rule that would allow them to come into your home, not just based on anything that you're touting. Or that you're writing, but just based on what you're reading, come in, assume that you're doing the wrong thing, that you could be thinking for yourself, that would be the wrong thing over there, uh, confiscate all of your gear. And then despite the fact that any decent IT guy could get into your laptop, for example, within a minute using a USB stick, they'll put you in jail for a year should you not comply and offer the password. And that's just a token thing to say that if you don't comply, look at what we can do for you. I'm hoping that's not going to happen. But I think, again, that they may have picked on the wrong people over, over in New Zealand. When you pick on a small country, it's a tight-knit group. And back when I used to go there 12 years ago, every year, up for about 10 years, I used to go over there. Bland Bay had a friend in Mount Eden, another one from Masterton. What terrific people. You just cruise on up the coast. And I just can't see this happening in New Zealand. What a tight-knit community. What a, a bunch of people that are passionate about their country and their kids. And again, I think they, um, I, I'm just hoping this is going to have a really good outcome. And because it's in New Zealand, I'm quietly confident Confident, but that might be the case. Yeah, well, I, I tell you this. I mean, we are a small country. Everyone knows everyone. Um, and so, I mean, I'm an ex-investigator, 24 years investigation in the police and private sector. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, there's a mountain of evidence out there, statistical data, facts and evidence, eyewitness testimony, uh, medical evidence everywhere. It's just, it's a mountain of evidence to prove that this the vaccine and the whole COVID thing was was a scam and and there's a, there's, there's ulterior motives behind it and it's dangerous and evil, and it's just a matter of time in my view before before at least a portion of the truth comes out, and I think it's the onus is on all of us to keep going and keep spreading the word and keep sticking your neck out and that's why Barry Young 
in my view, is a bloody hero. He needs to be protected and supported in every way so that other whistleblowers and positions similar to him step up and go, right, I'm going to do the right thing because Barry Young started that, started the uh, the ball rolling. And, and we, we, we as a people, as a group, as a country, need to get in behind guys like him and stop, uh, support him and stop um, the madness that we've been experiencing over the last three years. And, of course, Matt, one of the best ways that we can do that, especially when there's legal action afoot, is uh, to try and fund him and give him some money. Um, I don't have that information in front of me. I would almost guarantee that exists. So uh, I'll try and find that information during the news. Uh, but if not, uh, everybody, it's not that hard to Google. You can just Google, you know, Barry Young Legal Defence, maybe go fund me, although they tend not to help those who should be helped sometimes. Uh, Matt King, there's a whole bunch more we could talk about. We've run out of time. I just love... So thank you for coming on here and I hope that it all turns out well and I have faith in your fellow New Zealanders and uh, mate, I can't wait till we have this chat again sometime soon. Thanks, Dean. I appreciate the opportunity and and all the best for you guys out there fighting a good fight. Keep going and uh, we'll win in the end because good has to win over evil. Thank you. And for those of you listening, Democracy NZ is the leader of that party. So next time you got to put pen to paper at a ballot box, keep Matt King and his party in mind. But we'll be back right after the news. 